You're listening to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, episode 147, Fantasia 2000. You're such a snob. This episode was brought to you by the patrons. That's right. To find out more about how you can get your favorite movie nominated, head on over to rotoscopers.com slash Patreon. Welcome to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, Don Bluth, and everything in between. I'm your host, Morgan Stradling, here with my lovely co-host, as usual, Miss Chelsea Robson. I am here, as usual. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's changed. So for those of you who are new to our show, the Animation Addicts Podcast is a show all about the wide, wonderful world of animation. We review a film, past or present. It's a beautiful world. It is a beautiful world. Very colorful, mm-hmm. sometimes not so colorful. Mostly colorful. Mostly colorful. Lots of movement. Yes. Good, so. And lots of music, as in today's. Ooh, what a good lead in, you. So this episode, we are going to be reviewing... Fantasia 2000, which is a follow-up to the first film, Fantasia, which we did last episode. So funny how those it works out that way. <laughs> so this episode, we are reviewing Fantasia 2000, which is a patron pick by our patron, Maz. So thank you very much for picking this. So let's jump right into this, shall we? First off, we're going to go on into, we have a special treat for everybody. We have a nerdy couch discussion. We haven't had these in a really long time, but it's, it's one that definitely needs to happen. And it's actually with one of our patrons. You can go to rotoscopers.com slash Patreon to be able to find out how you also could eventually become a guest in our Nerdy Couch discussion. Yes. Hello. Become a patron. We love patrons and we love patrons who are the $20 level because they get to join us and we get to talk to them. So exactly. let's jump right into it. So on the line, we have Satria, and hey. Satria is in St. Louis, having a good old time well, out there. Currently in St. Louis. Wow, this is, int- this is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're glad to have you. Thank you. I've been listening to you guys uh, since uh, 2015. It was the time that I was about to finish my bachelor's at architecture in the University of Indonesia. Okay. And so, like, I was looking, I was just browsing through some podcasts, and I figured, I figured there's not that many podcasts out there that's catering to animation fans like myself until I saw you guys uh, in iTunes, I believe. And then, like, the rest is history. You guys made a lot of episodes up until then. <laughs> um, so, Satria is actually one of our patrons. So, we've talked about our patron program before, but one of the perks of being Um, This level of patron is that you get to join us for a nerdy couch discussion of your choice. So here we are. And actually, it was Satria's pick to do Fantasia last episode. Am I correct? Yes. Yes. So so thank you for my Patreon pick, but also like I'm honored to be part of like an extension of last week's episode to be part of this one, uh, the sequel to Fantasia. Well, I'm excited, too, because that's a movie that, as you know from last episode, I love a lot. Chelsea has different feelings, but that's okay. So it's one Uh, that I'm excited that we got to actually talk about. So um, before we kind of go into our nerdy couch discussion, do you have any uh, like one or two points about the movie that maybe we didn't cover that you want to talk about or mention? Right. Um, You asked about how the shadows in Takata and Fugue were made in the live action portion of the segment. 
I mean, I think they're called superimposed shadows. So I figured they did a lot of layers of projection from the real performers, but then like it is then done in several layers afterwards. I'm referencing something that's actually in like music videos, like for instance, Lana Del Rey's Young and Beautiful, like that music video for that, the, especially the orchestra portion felt similar to what is being done with the Takata and Fugue section of it. So, and I figured that something like that is because the the music video is very much inspired by the wonders that Fantasia has to offer uh, to entertainment and media. Oh, it's awesome. Well, yeah. now we know. What would you rate Fantasia if you were to rate it? Um, I would give Fantasia a definite five stars. Just because uh, I have a long history with the film, ever since I was as like little, uh, as I grew older, I become more accustomed to listening to classical music as, as if it's like a pastime and also something that is sort of ingrained in my mind while uh, listening to them. But the the film itself, Fantasia, I learned as the years go by, like it's a masterpiece. It's a classic that stood the test of time. As as a whole, it's a, a creative force. Awesome. Well, I agree with you. I and I think a lot of people. I was interested, interesting to see a lot of people really do consider uh, Fantasia to be a masterpiece. Oh yeah, right. Well, we had so many voicemails for it last time. Yeah. And everyone who sent in, it's pretty amazing when you look at people who. If they like Fantasia, they love Fantasia. There's really no middle ground, I don't think. Right. So one thing we wanted to talk about in this Nerdy Couch discussion was kind of classical music and and kind of focused on Fantasia. So I guess the first question that we're going to talk about is existing shorts that got or are getting the Fantasia treatment, meaning that it's there's no dialogue and it's just a story set to classical music or perhaps uh, abstract pieces of movement to classical pieces. So do you have any favorite uh, Fantasia-esque pieces that you would like to talk about? Um, I have a question. Do you know The Little Match Girl? Yeah. Yeah, that one. I like that one uh, quite a lot because of how the story and the music and the nuance of that little piece actually felt they were meant to be together in a way. And that piece in particular give this sort of uh, somber, but sort of hopeful kind of tone with the music. Yeah. Little Match Girls, uh, one of my favorites, and it's one of the ones that you can find on the Walt Disney shorts collection. Right. And uh, another short that I'm thinking of actually that I really like is Paper Man because oh, paper, really? paper man it's uh, very uh, basically no dialogue and right. it's it's not necessarily i i guess when i think of paper man i don't necessarily think of the music really leading right. it but the um, animation style. the animation is it really does drive and tell the story however it is another example of where it's a, i guess a silent uh, animated piece and shorts yeah. do lend themselves to this medium mm-hmm. as a whole. Like True. I can't ever imagine Disney going and just doing a whole feature with no words. Yeah, um, exactly. Cause... And I, and one of the best uh, overall, which Chelsea had mentioned is Peter and the Wolf. Yeah. So right. Peter and the Wolf to me is, is one of those fantastic iconic 
films. All of the notes and all of the sounds definitely followed what was happening in the story itself, as uh, you know, just kind of like in the silly symphonies, how they did those. Um, they're just yeah. so so much fun. You know, it's fu- interesting though. I was thinking also what it, the difference between um, so like Peter and the Wolf. It's an actual. It's an actual like play or uh, yeah. an actual. That's the whole purpose it's of not, it. Yeah, there's, it, it, there's it, a narrator it, there's, there's for sure. There's music with a narrator. Yeah, right. Yeah. And Sorry, so, nothing. and that's kind of like what Fantasia is too. Is all of these songs were pre-written and then they yeah. put all this animation behind it. You know, versus while well, Paper Man, it wasn't that way. Paper Man was a film that they ended up having, you know, music written to push along the film. Right. Um, so what is, I feel like they do the latter a whole lot more for sure. Oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's very hard. I think even in Fantasia 2000, there's only one um, song, which is the piano concerto number two, Allegro yeah. Opus 102, which right. was, um, they the story of the Tin Soldier, mm-hmm. which was a pre-existing story, and this whole time they were looking for a song, uh, a song right. to match it. And so mm-hmm. I think that's very rare where you have a story and you're like, I'm just waiting for the perfect yeah. piece. Well, right. hello, there's thousands also, of composers yeah. around here. Let's just hire one. Right. Like, make the perfect piece. <laughs> make it work. <laughs> and uh, so I think that's but that's what makes Fantasia really amazing is that it it does take pre-existing works. And puts this spin on them with a very visual sense that maybe it's one person's interpretate visual interpretation of that song. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And even to the point where for that segment that you just mentioned, uh, Morgan, that they even had to change some of the story aspects. Uh, for instance, like the original fairy tale, like most just like most of Hans Christian Andersen's stories ended in a very down note that the protagonists uh, would normally die. But because the music had an uplifting beat at the end that they had to change it from having the soldier and the ballerina file into the fireplace in favor for the uh, Jack in the Box to to really get the beating Mm -hmm. and ended up with this typical Disney style ending to it, which (laughs) I think fits with the music. The music has to be driving the whole action along towards the end. Yeah, yeah. So that kind of leads me to my next question, uh, in a way, is what pieces of classical music would you like to see animated? Because there's some really great works out there, um, some very well-known ones and not so well-known ones. Which do you have any that you would, either of you, would like to see potentially in the future one day made? I would love to see Handel's Messiah put something together. Oh, Mm. (laughs) that would be really epic. Yeah, I mean, you don't even need... you don't necessarily have to even do it as a religious piece, even though that's what it is. Yeah. Um, but it, it's like just the sound, just the scale of that, of that music is just so amazing. And it also, right. it's catchy too. Like everybody knows <laughs> Handel's Messiah. <laughs> Everyone referenced that choir right. section. Exactly. Um, I guess I really, really liked Holst's The Planet. I thought Gustav Holst, I think that's his name. Um, I learned that Holst's The Planets actually became the main inspiration for a lot of sci-fi movie soundtracks, like Star Wars, for instance. There's this, there are like six movements, if I'm not mistaken. And I feel like each movement tells a different story. So maybe they could use one of those movements. Um to tell us the definite story rather than having to use that whole, like the entire piece. 
that could end up making like a one hour <laughs> short <Yeah. film. laughs> but this harkens a little back to like something in the original Fantasia that a lot of the segments are like 10 minutes to 22 minutes long which mm-hmm. I don't know how you guys feel like maybe you couldn't sit still uh, watching the segments go because they're like super long rather than like the ones in Fantasia 2000s that were like short but yet they're concise as well yeah one thing that I would would love to see is Aaron Copeland's Rodeo. So Aaron Copeland is a more contemporary composer, you know, of the 20s, I guess. And he that is just a very classic. That's the I think it's been in commercials like, you know, for beef and steaks. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that one like cowboy. Yes, it's totally cowboy. It definitely is um, you know, and it even has the name Rodeo, but it would be very cool to see. I mean, I I hope they would do some sort of Southwestern inspired uh, motif or story to that. But I, I could just imagine some sort of like, you know, whether it was a rancher or a cowboy and then some sort of um, strife that happens. And it's, it's right. not the longest piece, but I think that'd be my, one of my top picks. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So we're going to close this nerdy couch discussion off talking about um, animation concerts. So one thing that recently has been popularized over the past few years is, you know, we all love to hear the the movie soundtracks that we've mm-hmm. grown and loved. And so there's different concert series that, that are around and that have toured. Um, namely, one of them is Pixar in Concert. I did you, see that you one. To go mm-hmm. and hear the, your favorite music mm-hmm. of Pixar performed um, on stage. And what I love about this is because, you know, I think the the symphony, you know, going mm-hmm. to the symphony is is sort of a dying uh, art in a way where most people just want to go to the movies. People don't want to go to the opera or the symphony so much. And so one thing that, that symphonies uh, and different groups have done to boost their sales and attendance is that, okay, let's play, let's do some pop culture segments, mm-hmm. you know, uh, here in the, at the Phoenix symphony uh, next week, actually there's one, just all the music of John Williams. Which, oh my uh, goodness. They do, they do a Harry Potter one around Halloween. Uh-huh. And so, also have in St. Louis, too. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> so Pixar in concert, Chelsea, you went to that. How was that? Oh, it was amazing. Uh, definitely the first half was more, uh, more iconic than the second half because how they do it is they do like every movie in order. Mm-hmm. So as wow. you're watching it, you're just like, Oh my gosh, I'm going on these, this ride of emotions, like every moment and having this, they would have a, a screen in the back that has all the video to those moments that goes along with the score. And so you don't have any, you don't have any audio other than the score that's going on. And it really does come to life. Like if you ever have a chance to go see it, I would most definitely go see it. It is just, I, you know, of course you get to the up sequence and everyone is crying. (laughs) (laughs) And married life's right. (laughs) You're just like, Oh, but the whole thing, it just like, it really does like endear you to this music and you're just like wow i this is my childhood in in this hour you know um so definitely worth it i would say and i (laughs) man the the john williams one that one sounds like such a fun thing to do i guess my experience with classical music or at least like a concert type experience uh was interested in looking at video game (laughs) music concerts i'm it's pretty it's pretty popular so i went to a final fantasy concert uh last summer and and also i'm going to another one for the kingdom Hearts series uh concert um later this june nice 
That's cool. It's, the experience is really mind-blowing because not only it's about um, the fandom itself, but the music actually. Some people who have strong memories of them, uh, they really felt touched and moved by it. Music is a really, it's a powerful force mm-hmm. that can speak to people, that can make people feel something that they've never felt before. And yeah, I'm also excited for uh, for the, the concert in June. So <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty great. So I actually, I'll close it up. I've been to the Zelda um, Symphony of the Goddess, which nice. is really? an amazing, amazing concert. And so much where they've, they've, they're going on like a second tour or second run. And Facebook knows Sweet. that wow. I like Zelda. So they <laughs> love to advertise to me and say, hey, go see this. And I see it and I'm like, yes, I want to go. But um, that was very awesome because likewise with the Pixar in concert, they play your songs from the various, uh, you know, video games in this case. And they do show the the clips behind it so if you're in hyrule field they'll show link running through hyrule field in ocarina of time and and whatnot so um, great it was it's a blast i highly recommend any of these concerts to anyone who has been who uh loves it i mean it's it's just a great way to experience your fandom in another way Mm -hmm. and then i will close off with this last thing it's not necessarily one of these like animation in concert things but this past weekend i had the incredible honor to go see Leia Salonga oh my gosh. in concert. So good. Is, if you don't know, she is the voice of Mulan, or singing voice of Mulan. She's also the singing voice of Princess Jasmine, and she is a Broadway legend. Yeah, she is. She is a Disney legend, yeah. literally, and she has one of the most beautiful singing voices of all time and so i of course she is a disney princess and she loved talking up how she's a disney princess she even she even mentioned like straight up she's like just just i'm gonna leave this off with this jasmine is the hottest disney princess they've ever made <laughs> there are no hands down she's like that little red outfit i mean i can't wear it but man <laughs> like she was hilarious it was really fun so if you have the and it was cool because she went and she sang you know reflection from mulan and then nice. she also sang uh, a whole new world from Aladdin, which is a duet, which is hilarious because she picked a random yeah. male from the audience. That's so funny. So that was really fun. Yeah. And if you have the opportunity to see her, I mean, she is a literal Disney princess. Uh, and uh, <laughs> Go see that. So uh, for, for me, I mean, I love the arts and I love classical music and I just love any of these uh, opportunities that we get to experience our fandom through this means. So I'll include some links to different concerts that are going right now, whether they are video game or Disney or animation related. So you guys can find it, but we want to thank you Satria for joining us for this nerdy couch discussion. This was awesome. And also thank you for (laughs) being a patron and for your patron pick. So uh, before we let you go, do you have any last words? I don't know. I wish we had more time to talk about Fantasia or even Fantasia 2000 in general, but I guess you guys have already or going to cover that. The underlining theme of Fantasia in general is about order and harmony being, being brought out of chaos. So from the first Fantasia itself, like you start from abstract and you end with the idea of hope. And then along the way, you follow the beats of harmony and order and then like looking at it from a different perspective and also how that chaos suddenly arises, but then in the end, everything prevails and a good triumph over evil. and relating that to Fantasia 2000 it's it's also no difference um it's a pretty great movie as a companion to the original Fantasia and it might not be able to beat the original Fantasia because it stood out as maybe a, one of the better official animated canons 
that are sequels like Winnie the Pooh or The Rescuers Down Under. And I think it served as a kind of a laboratory for ideas to come across into music and animation. And so Fantasia, I think, can still somehow come to life and find ways to interpret them in the most breathtaking way possible. So let's jump into Fantasia 2000. I feel like we've already talked quite a little bit about oh, yeah. this. We got a little primer on classical music um, based on last episode and our Nerdy Couch discussion. So that was awesome. So before we talk about the basics of the film, let's just watch this trailer, shall we? This let's is the it. IMAX trailer. And for those of you, when we watch these trailers, this is our first reaction. So it's kind of like those trailer reactions on YouTube, except for it's it's uh, here and you can't see the visuals. So it's probably <laughs> not as great as we imagined it to be because... We can see it, but okay, let's go. Three, two, one. We all know it's impossible to see music, yet many composers have tried to take uh, musical Walt. sounds and give them a pictorial meaning. Walt's original idea was that Fantasia would be a oh, the classic nineties like the and background. Is the realization of that dream. No. The first ever full-length animated motion picture. Exclusively in IMAX theaters. Trailer guy. Walt Disney Pictures uh, is proud I want to present his gig. Fantasia Seriously. 2000, the IMAX experience. I mean, there's not much to Presenting say about a trailer about a movie that has very little to no dialogue. Because it's all about the music. Right. Along with a classic favorite. In a motion picture unlike any other. That's funny. So they, they show, they said a classic favorite, and they show Sorcerer's Apprentice, but then they also had a teeny little clip from the Nutcracker Suite. Oh, yeah. Which was not included in this. But hey, when you have the footage. <laughs> no, that was the Tin Man, right? Oh. It was when the fairies. Oh, the Doritos. Yes. <laughs> You're using up your material, Chelsea. <gasps> On January 1st, exclusively in IMAX theaters around the world, oh, yeah. Walt Disney Pictures proudly presents Fantasia 2000. Uh, as was the thing to do in the 2000s, to put the number 2000 in front of it. <laughs> it was. <laughs> So a little bit about this film. All this information is pulled from Box Office Mojo, IMDb, and Wikipedia. All all good things. All, all good, good things. <laughs> uh, studio, Walt Disney Animation Studios. So directors. There were quite a few directors. Don Hahn, uh, Eric Goldberg, uh, quite a few others. I don't want to list them all because I don't want to mess up their names, but then I don't give them credit for what they've done. So I'm just going to blow through this. Don Hahn, Pixote Hunt, Hendel Batoy, 
Eric Goldberg, James Algar, Francis Glebes, and Paul and Gayton Brizzy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, totally butchered those names. <laughs> uh, produced was by Roy Disney and Donald Ernst. Talking about how this movie did, so there were quite a few release dates. The premiere was in December 1999. Um, however, the IMAX release was January 1st, 2000. Like, the day mm-hmm. it became 2000, like, boom, we hit you with Fantasia 2000, just so you know. Uh, however, the general release was June 16th, 2000. Runtime, 75 minutes. Significantly shorter. Significantly. By at least 45 minutes than the original uh-huh. Fantasia. And it feels very short um, to me. Well, it doesn't feel very <laughs> short. It feels adequate, but... Um, yeah. The budget was around 80 to 85 million, and unfortunately, it only did around 90.9 million. So that is. They made their, like, their budget, though. Yeah, but that's. You don't want to just, you know, creep $6 million over your budget or, no. you know, hey. to make it back. But as is what happens, it, it's it happens. It's than the original. <laughs> well, the original took however many decades to gain back. So maybe Fantasia 2000 will make its budget back in 2045. So <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, you know, talking about how, you know, Fantasia through all the different re-releases was able to eventually make back its budget. But now there really is very little draw to these like releases every seven years because mm-hmm. of the home media market. Right. I don't imagine this one ever really having a re-release because one, it's not one of the super popular ones. Right. Two, they've stopped doing the conversion to three, 3D. You know, they were going to do that for so many films. They did it for Lion King and I believe a few others, but they stopped that very soon. This one would have been cool in 3D. This one would have been very cool in 3D, but that I think they realized didn't really pay off right. as much as they wanted it too so uh i don't imagine this one can really make up its budget and it's on netflix for free so i mean <laughs> right. you're not really really selling very many units but um probably yeah. getting more spins though this way than than they would have <laughs> so what were your original thoughts about this movie did you ever see this i did not see this in imax um as you know if you listen to the last episode i was not a fan of the original fantasia <laughs> and so i had actually never until Today, I had never seen this movie straight through. I had seen a couple parts here and there. Um, but honestly, like the main thing that I remember was one time uh, when Morgan and I went to D23. And it was like there it was a special year where they were actually covering animation. Oh, Destination D. Destination D. Yeah. And Don Hahn came on stage and was like, hey, it's Don Hahn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he comes on and he's like, so I was trying to figure out different things to show you guys that you wouldn't be able to see anywhere else. Well, I got something. It's a doozy. Oh, yes. <laughs> and he comes up and he's like, so this was one segment of Fantasia 2000 that we couldn't play because it just would have opened Pandora's box. It was a segment where they had all the princes and princesses and their children. <laughs> like each one of them had a baby. <laughs> and like this just can't go. <laughs> Pandora's box on this one. <laughs> yes, and so they showed us basically the animatic of that, and it was no, it was um, the full thing, I believe. No, it was just an animatic. It, really? it wasn't animated. It was just like the storyboards. Okay. To, but it was epic, guys. <laughs> it, I, I hope one day it leaks on YouTube. We weren't allowed to record, obviously. Very disappointed about that. Oh, yeah, but so um, it was just uh, one day. One we'll day. We'll see it. But, so my original thoughts is I grew up, like we talked about in the last episode, 
I loved Fantasia. And so I was very, very, very excited for Fantasia 2000. Um, and this was really the heyday of my Disney fanatic. I can't wait for the next Disney movie to come out face. Mm -hmm. So uh, did I see this? Absolutely. Was I disappointed? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> because, oh. I mean, it was good, but it was never one that I was like, when the VHS came out that I had to go buy it. I absolutely did not buy it. Were DVDs we, by then? Uh, this was, yeah, the beginning of the DVD market, yeah. but we did not buy the DVD. We did not buy the VHS. Um, so as a result, I really only have seen this once initially in theaters when it came out. I did not see it in IMAX. And then I've seen pieces through, um, you know, different things here and there. And so this was probably like the first, second full time I've ever seen the movie, which... Uh, I, spoilers was not that impressed to be honest I felt that it's really it's, yeah it's very uh, disjointed and it just doesn't have the same like magical feeling of the first one to me but we will get all into that so interesting. Um, although I do remember if we talked about from time to time the book Disney War yeah and I will include a link in the show notes to that book but it's amazing and it basically talks about the history of of the Disney studios over the years uh, particularly the Disney Eisner Eisner yeah. era and uh, how Roy got ousted and lots of lots of things like that. Drama. So it's great. It's so good. It's, uh, it should be turned into some sort of documentary. But it was sixty Disney, hours on Disney Audible. So yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, slash uh, Audible. There you, you go. go. Hey, that's just one credit to for the whole book. You know, yeah. so that you're getting yeah, your true. you're getting your money's worth of that Most free definitely. Audible credit if you go to rotoscopers.com slash Audible. But I I specifically remember there's quite a big section on devoted to Fantasia 2000 because Eisner just loved the idea of bringing this back. Like there's just certain parts of that book that I remember a lot about, but that the Fantasia 2000 part, I didn't, I don't remember a lot. So Eisner was really into this. Yes. I thought it was all Roy's thing. No, no, I, there's a particular little vignette, little story that I'm going to tell a little later when we're talking about one okay. of the segments particularly, but, um, okay. So let's just jump right into it. So this, I, I do not like the intro to this movie because it's basically teeing it off by bringing you back to the original Fantasia. Uh -huh. And it has this really cheesy montage where these clips are like floating by. And it's almost like the, like if you were to go into iMovie and it has like a template of like, yeah. like the, the real, and it's like, <laughs> I can see put, that. put your movie clip here and right. then like watch it fly across the screen. I'm like, what are you doing? Because the original Fantasia just was very artistic in yeah. even the live action segments. So, the fact that they're like, ooh, this is the Fantasia that you know and love. And here's this clip. And here's this clip. And I just, I didn't love it. And I'm like, what are you doing? Just like, oh, do the cold open with the composer walking up, you know, and, and but no, they don't. And see, I am complete. I can tell really? that this is going to be an interesting episode because <laughs> I was totally fine with it. Like that opening for me, I felt like they, they brought in the old you know, it's like they told you everything that you needed to know from the old one, but at the same time had new visuals. Like it was a new theater. So that was cool to just kind of look at. I did like at. the theater. The theater, the theater was gorgeous. Was very beautiful. Like, man, I would like to go to or that soundstage, mm -hmm. most likely, right? Right. <laughs> and Literally a soundstage. Yes, yes. <laughs> and so I, I loved that. And then I just felt like it was succinct. I felt like cool. We're not wasting any time with this. I like it. You mean you, they, you don't have the 20, 15, well, more like five minutes of the orchestra warming up. Right. <laughs> I like that. See, I, I think that, I, you that's know, what gives the original character, but it it's does. okay. We can have different opinions. 
That's what's so fun about this episode. This is going to be a fun episode. I can tell already. <laughs> so we jump right in to Symphony Number no. Five, the first movement of Beethoven's Symphony Number no. Five. Bum 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 bum. And um, you know, they kind of like with the original Fantasia, they lead off with a more abstract mm-hmm. piece because we're bridging the gap from from just music without audio visuals to. I can think of a better one. Full to do it on that way though visuals story you know contrived story i guess based on the right and uh this one is pretty good i i like the, the take it's very reminiscent of the opening toccata and fugue of fantasia mm-hmm. but um yeah i felt like that was probably one everyone's like why didn't you do beethoven's fifth you know yeah. like that's like the everyone would want that one because it's so Everyone let, knows let me that talk one. about this because that's one thing in the original is they did a lot of pieces that weren't necessarily like your your top 100 right. favorites of, of her classical music. They were some were a little more maybe musicians or, or class or symphony lovers mm-hmm. would would particularly love this, but not necessarily a mass audience. And I felt for the most part that the pieces that they selected here were very much appealing to the masses. And this whole like this, everything about Fantasia 2000 is what can we do to appeal to the masses um, with let's bring in all of our favorite contemporary whoever, you know, Steve Martin, <laughs> Bette Midler. That's let's what be, I loved about let's it. Let's be funny. <laughs> let's not take ourselves I mean, too seriously. Which, I mean, that's Steve cool. Martin, yeah, I'm, I wasn't the biggest fan of him. But like all the other ones, I was like, come on, Angela Lansbury, she's evergreen, man. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but I felt like it's like, how can we get like it's just totally what they do nowadays advertising the animated film it's with the voices of right it's like yeah. okay we can't do the voices but like maybe the these people and here's Esau Perlman for <laughs> the people who actually know who that is and yeah. you know I, I don't know to me I would have liked a little bit more of less familiar tunes but then again I mean as long as the story that they're able to tell and the visuals are are good enough like it doesn't matter but I felt that was one kind of really unique thing is that it brought you a, a new, it, it brought those songs to a newer audience who may not have sought those out on their own or discovered them on their own. So that's you're, cool. You're <laughs> such a snob. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an orc dork. It is true. <laughs> you're a snob. See, I, I really liked that. I, I liked the fact that they were trying to appeal to more of the masses in the way, not necessarily appeal to the masses, but kind of like, these are things that I, I know that people have complained about before. So mm-hmm. let's do our best to kind of fix it as best we can. Yeah. But so just leading into Steve Martin, you know, he like starts off with a joke and I'm like, right. I, oh, I, I audibly groan. I'm like, Oh, oh no. <laughs> and then he does it again. And I'm just like, Oh, these jokes don't land. These are no, horrible. His, his, and no. it's, it's, they're just the balance and the tone of this film is totally off to me because you have these funny moments with these narrators like, Hey, 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 like, he was the only one that was, Hey, Hey, Hey though. No, we got Penn and Teller. Well, yeah, him. <laughs> and him, I mean them. <laughs> them. Well, yeah, but I, he was—he's he, the talker, he's right? The talker, but Pendulette. And but then, then some of the pieces, for the most part, they're pretty serious in the stories that yeah. they tell. There's no like real goofball, um, and a lot of them are, are kind of you know way more serious, especially like the ending finale, right? You know, with the Firebird Suite. But it, it just didn't match up to me, and obviously. Yeah, it it just didn't match up to me. They're like all over the place. 
So I struggled with that. Because I'm like, what are you trying to be funny to like introduce me to this classical piece of, of, of music? I felt like... Like, why do I need that? I don't need that. Like, be serious. <laughs> Just give it to me. And I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually, I do agree about Steve Martin. And I felt like it, it could have gotten a whole lot better of a feel if they maybe had like, you know, the Walt Disney type story, like story yeah, time yes. guy, like come on, put your hand, put his hand on your shoulder. Hey, we're going to talk about this. Like, I feel like that would have gone over a lot better mm-hmm. as a beginning. Yeah. But I, I, he was really the only one that, and I'm not really the biggest Steve Martin fan. I don't hate him at all. And I'm not a hater. And I think that he's got a lot of really funny stuff, but I just, you know, he's not my like go-to guy of like, I want to see him all the time. Um, but he's great. I mean, he, he does a good job with what he does. It does remind me of his like, like I'm trying to, I, I taught them all how to do everything. And, I'm just and like, what are you talking about? <laughs> right now on Facebook, there's like these master classes that go by. Yeah. And like, there's one of him. And actually, he says a lot of really good things on their little like um, promo of uh-huh. it. But I was still, it's just really funny. I'm like, yes, hashtag master class. <laughs> <laughs> so our next one is Pines of Rome. And so this is introduced by Itzhak Perlman, who... Uh, is one of the greatest violinists in the world. And it's like, okay, well, how can we pine to pine <laughs> to the <laughs> music, classical music, no, musical lovers? Well, we got to have like the greats, which I did appreciate that because they brought in great pianists. They brought yeah. in great, um, you know, orchestra, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra. They recorded six of the eight pieces. Um, and then they had very accomplished uh, soloists. Mm-hmm. So I liked that. Yeah. I mean, bring in all of your celebrity uh, talent because they're literally talented. In right. What, no, the yeah. best those, of the best. Those types of celebrity talents are like great. Yes. Like, please do. <laughs> and so, um, you know, and it's just such a, a difference in tone when he's very serious in how mm-hmm. he's introducing the next piece. And I'm just like, you can't can't make up your mind here and so this already i'm having issues with it but uh this one (laughs) to me part that only the only part that you should have had issues (laughs) so to me this one is basically can be classified as the one with the whales Ah, yes because it's the cgi whales who are floating and eventually fly into the clouds um and i had a pro to me um this even though like when i see the trailer i'm like oh yeah the whale one that's amazing but to me when i think of fantasia 2000 this is not one of the ones that i initially think of at all yeah so um interesting that happened but this one actually i was not too fond of the cgi whales and so this is one thing in fantasia 2000 that they did focus on is they really wanted this blend of 2D and CGI. Um, and so here the whales are um, animated by computers. And I felt, again, it, it was very uh, just off from scene to scene. Sometimes they looked very well rendered. They worked well. And other times it looked like, did you not like have enough money to finish this? Did, were you running against a deadline? It, it it was very off to me and how the they little looked. whale was like floating up that I felt like that was mm-hmm. off, and, and off. the problem with this, it really did. It really did date this segment. Yeah. Um, in other segments, the CGI is great. Uh, however, this one, not so much. I was just sitting there like, wow, this looks very dated. Uh, and you compare that to the next one, which is Rhapsody in blue by George Gersh- Gershwin. And that just, it's so timeless. Yeah. It's, um, it's not necessarily a time. It is a timeless piece now. It's a, it's a contemporary piece in the fact that it's a jazz number, which we didn't have in the Mm-mm. original. However, just the animation is stunning. Well, yeah. The 2D, it's based off, um, you know, Eric Goldberg 
he'll talk a lot about this. He was definitely involved with it. It's the Hirschfeld line, which is mm-hmm. this this line that kind of gets thicker and thin. They implemented this design uh, based off Hirschfeld for the genie in Aladdin, mm-hmm. and so obviously they they included Hirschfeld in um, in this. So he was kind of involved a little bit as far as the style goes, and it's it's beautiful. I love that one. Um, sorry if you had things you wanted to say about Pines of Rome, but just <laughs> well, you know, as far as Pines of Rome, like the interesting about that song is that I felt like it was super triumphant, but it, it, I don't, I was thinking like, why are, why are we, what did we do to deserve this? <laughs> Flying whales. Hello. <laughs> but it, I just felt like the music itself, the entire time, not the entire time, but for the, it was either super triumphant or really soft and and you know just kind of wavy, uh, wavy. <laughs> but it's like and then it goes straight back up to triumphant, which it was, it was just kind of like I don't know what I, I didn't feel like I I earned the mm-hmm, triumphant mm-hmm. of entrance of this. But Rhapsody in Blue, man, that one I just from the start I was just like ah I like this mm-hmm. one. I like the jazz. I like just having the different flavor in there as opposed to because jazz is it is such a medium that people don't really give enough appreciation to because people who know jazz are like can just do anything they really can they're their own animal um i just appreciate them so much and then another thing that i really liked is as talking about eric goldberg is the name of the hotel is actually called the goldberg so that's what I was, Ooh. I was like, hey, hey, it's, it's, it's Eric. <laughs> hey, I'm going to name a hotel after myself because this is my segment. Of course. <laughs> this is mine. <laughs> I would. So we talked about the design. I loved the, the Hirschfeld line. Mm-hmm. I loved the colors. It was very mm-hmm. saturated and almost, almost monochromatic in a way. The storyline was great. Um, and the backgrounds, it very much reminded me of the Xerox era. Yeah. Um, and so just all of that right away, it just was instantly classic. Uh, one little moment that stood out was the girl pouring coffee in the, di- in the diner. I loved her. Loved her look. Her eyelashes, yes, were so cool. I need to be her for Halloween, or somebody How do does. You find eyelashes like that. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> let's make it happen. Let's make that happen. <laughs> so I, we did actually interview Eric Goldberg, and I looked to see if we had talked about this particular sequence in that interview. We did not, which is okay. However, he has talked about this on quite a few other podcasts, so I'll mm-hmm. include show notes there. The animation. Uh, the original, the animation podcast. Yes. And also the Bancroft Brothers podcast. He's talked about this. So go check it out. Those are good, good resources to find more stuff. As I was going through, I kind of, it reminded me a lot of Bugs Life. I, in fact, I was, there's moments where I was like, was this even in Bugs Life? But for whatever (laughs) reason, this like, all I could think was Bugs Life from this one. But no, it wasn't. (laughs) No, no Bugs Life, but that's okay. That's okay. It still ties everybody together. And, you know, at the end, the storyline, as I mentioned, is really great because you just see everyone gets what they want in the end and everything. It's a happy ending all around. Yes. It's a great one. And then we lead into Bette Midler. And that one, that one actually made me laugh. Okay. Can we just talk about <laughs> Bette Midler's pose? Yes. Like, what yes. is she doing? She has the, the like, shawl thing, like, <laughs> draped on her elbows. And then, like, the hand on the hip. I'm like, wow, Bette. We... Very natural, no? <laughs> <laughs> but she was just like, hi, guys. 
(laughs) Oh, bet. Oh, bet. Oh, bet. (laughs) Yeah. So again, I'm like, are we all going to be totally like that? she wasn't I don't, she wasn't supposed to be funny i don't think no and, she wasn't but she was supposed to be bet midler exactly yeah so <laughs> apparently that's bet midler <laughs> she introduces us to piano concerto number two allegro opus 102 by dmitry shostakovich Ooh. very nice and i loved this one really yes i i loved the cgi of this and this actually is the first time in a Disney animated film where the main characters are CGI. Yeah, that's true. So initially, you know, back in the day, the 90s, <laughs> 80s. The 90s. The, they either use background characters or tertiary characters or secondary characters. Mm-hmm. So, for example, um, in the, the, the one that always gets brought up is the, called the clock in the great mouse detective. Now that itself is not CGI. They use CGI and then they traced over it. Mm-hmm. So it's like a little rotoscoping CGI um, or in the lion King with the, the stampede, those were CGI elements. They weren't your main character, but they were well Aladdin too mm-hmm. with the cave of wonders, the cave of wonders. And, the, and the carpet. Yeah. So very cool things there, but this was actually the very first one that was a CGI character. So that is your animation trivia for mm-hmm. you. And I love the characters because, again, they they went with the Toy Story route where it, they went with inorganic characters, right? Um, like dolls and little tin tin soldier. Where it's okay if you don't get that one hundred percent right because we, if they tried it with a person, immediately we'd be like, "Woo, something's off, mm-hmm. uncanny valley." Mm-hmm. And we saw that even with the whales. The whales—they're this organic, you know, being. And there's just something off about them. They Mm -hmm. haven't quite figured that out yet. They haven't gotten that sophisticated. And so that's why Toy Story works so well is because, hey, we can make a surface shiny. We can do that. (laughs) Right? And that's what they did with this character. Um, Her face was sort of like a porcelain face, much like Bo Peep. And I just loved, I loved it. I loved the way she looked. I loved the way they moved. And uh, again, like we talked about, this was actually a piece where they had a story initially yeah, and they were waiting for the perfect piece to, to put it to. And, and I thought it worked very well. I thought the story was really cute. I really liked that. The song I thought was, and it worked great Mm -hmm. with it. I wasn't a fan of the animation. See, man, opposites us. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I really wasn't. And I, I know that they were trying to go with, um, what is the Pixar short? The tin the tin, tin toy the tin toy and i just i think that one also i just don't really like um so this one f- had the same vibe for me so mm-hmm. i didn't really i didn't warm up to this one but everything else about it aside from the animated part was good nice then we are led into james earl jones who- his was the best one okay <laughs> so his was he was like started out all james old jonish <laughs> and um, I mean, what's not to like about Mufasa? Come on now. Yeah. But uh, it's like, what other giant big name celebrities can we bring in? Yeah. And then at the very end, his, I think his joke, he delivered the best because he was like, and we have this. And then the animator hands him the little thing. He's like, what happens when we give yo-yo to flamingos? Who writes this stuff? I, and I didn't like that. I, I was liked like, what it. What are you trying to do? <laughs> I thought he delivered the line See, and right. that was Eric Goldberg. He yeah. had his little cameo right there. <laughs> yeah, so 
Carnival of the Animals, this to me was felt very much inspired by the Dance of the Hours, which is the hippos and the alligators and mm-hmm. elephants. And it felt that, oh, okay, we had these like dancing creatures and it went over so well in the first one. What's something similar that we could go through? I don't know if that was their thought process, but to me it felt like, okay, we need another dancing something. Mm-hmm. And it was good. And I mean, this is a very iconic song. And it's pretty short. And that's one thing. super short. We, with this, they, they really like, okay, uh, the attention span of people in the 40s, like this was their only form of entertainment. So of course they loved it. However, when we are the 90s and we have all sorts of things, I mean, this is 20 years before, you know, nowadays where right. it's just like constant attention and, yeah. and no one can keep, keep you focused for 15 seconds, let right, alone right. three minute song. Um, so yeah, the, much shorter. Um, but I liked it. I, I did enjoy the little story. I thought it was fun and quirky and cute and cute. Exactly. But, um, and the colors were great. So yeah, love the, love those colors. So that leads us then into Pendulette and Teller. The tall guy and the short guy. We never change. We never change. <laughs> yep. And it works out. I mean, I never realized that it was their same dynamic with the Sorcerer's Apprentice. Ah, uh, yeah, I totally. Like the short guy and the, and the tall guy. Um, is it just me or does Pendulette really remind you of the Oxyclean guy? <laughs> like, you know, remember how he was always just like, oh my gosh, this is so exciting. <laughs> yeah like it was just i just felt like it was totally that guy and well I was like, oh, when your co-host rip. doesn't actually talk you really have to overemphasize it's to, true to make up for it but that's their shtick is that you I mean, never okay. hear teller talk it's fine whatever <laughs> it was just funny was so like, they okay. introduce us into the sorcerer's apprentice which is not a reimagining of it like at no, that point exact this thing. is so classic that you know you got to keep it i guess but why i to me i'm sitting here and i'm like why and it it's also you know it's the old it was the animation was different so you have the black bars on the screen which yeah. and i'm like okay you know and it, it definitely makes it feel out of place that alone and then they had to restore the animation to that and they sent it to a big restoring house um, specifically for that scene but i'm sitting here and i'm just like not Maybe it's because I just watched the movie last week and I'm like, I already <laughs> saw this. Thank you very much. But uh, like, I, it really doesn't feel necessary to me. It feels that they're sort of just like tapping into what they know already works. But that's kind of what they did with the beginning. Like they already tied us in and brought the correlation with the old Fantasia with the new. Mm-hmm. Why just have this old segment? Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. I was like, was this needed? I just, I don't know. I, I realize, okay, yes, tie it back to the original. Yes, keep Mickey current. It's a classic. It's a classic. I can see all of those things. But, and also I can see the fact that it was so long ago. Because, you know, you look at like, almost Bring everything. Bring to a new audience. Everything that Disney ever really did was recycle their old yeah, material. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I understand that. It's like a, it's a tradition by now. <laughs> just recycle the old stuff. But, like, I just... Yeah, that was the one thing that I was like, I don't know if this was really needed. I think it could have been really cool if they would have done something else with the same Sorcerer mm-hmm. Apprentice type vibe. Yeah, totally. Just different. I would have loved to see a reimagining of the Sorcerer's Apprentice. Well, the Sorcerer's Apprentice, no, because it's based on a, right. a poem. But maybe if they would have taken a different piece uh-huh. and say, okay, in, ignore everything they did in Fantasia. If you were to write a story or a, you know animate something, like what do you see? That yeah. would have been really cool to me because I mean you could reimagining of something pastoral cool. <laughs> suite, um, and you think Pegasi and you know cherubs, centaurs, and have it be something completely different 
would be really, really neat to me. Could but they cool. did not do that. Um, going along with bringing Sources Apprentice back, they actually were going to bring back two others, the Dance of the Hours oh, and no. the Nutcracker Suite. And those eventually got cut. So one thing we didn't actually talk about at the beginning is that this was something in development for a very long time. Um, and we talked in last episode how this was something that Disney wanted to just reimagine all the time. You right. know, like you, he would re-show this and like maybe these three things would be taken out and these three new ones would be in. And the next time, okay, the, these would be taken out and these would be put in. It was like constantly evolving and growing. And so I guess I could see how this relates to that initial concept of mm -hmm. like a little of the old, a little of the new. You don't know what you're going <laughs> to get. But... Um, so in the 80s, you know, there were the talks about doing this and bringing it back. Didn't ever actually come to be. And Eisner, as we said, was really the one who, like, was all gung-ho. And it was – one of the main things that triggered was, this was the 1991 release, VHS release of Fantasia. Mm -hmm. It had almost 10 million pre-orders and units, which, wow. like – for people who didn't want to see Fantasia in the theaters, like people really wanted to see it on VHS. That being said, at this point, not the entire Disney canon hadn't been released on mm -hmm. VHS yet. So it was one of the the few early ones. So right. there's like, I think an initial like jump on Gotta excitement and it kind of, it kind of wanes each time. It was like yeah. the, um, to me, the Disney legacy collection, mm -hmm. the, which is the soundtracks where they added like bonus discs and, and bonus features like that, the first one, like everyone was all excited about. And I'm sure the, the sales were incredible. And then each subsequent release, it was like, eh, it's like, I'm not as excited. Well, cause you always put your biggest ones out first yeah. too for that one. Yeah. Um, but for Fantasia, I think also, I definitely had the, I have to buy all of these. Yes. <laughs> I got to complete the set. I got to have the complete set here. I don't even care if I've never even seen Make My Music. I've got to have it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Which I still don't have. So um, talking about Eisner, and he was really the, the force behind this. He also, you know, obviously being the head of the studio and the company, he got to push what he wanted. And so he really, and this was one thing I learned from Disney Wars, he really wanted pomp and circumstance. He went to a, a graduation, and this is the classic graduation song they play. Right. Do, 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 do. Um, and he, he, he heard the music and said, oh, this is amazing. We have to have pomp and circumstance <laughs> in this. And everyone at the studio and on the team was like horrified because they're like, what? Like that is like <laughs> of all the popular songs, like that's the most like used and cliche. Well, it's the stigmatized. Yes. And, and they just said, no, we don't want this. And Not he said, stigmatized, but it's like, it's, this is, that is what it is. Yeah, exactly. It's they, I mean, in the, in the intro, they're like, oh, actually they didn't just use it for this. They used it for any type of yeah. occasion. Yeah. Spin, spin hard. Oh man. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Keep spinning. So he, he didn't care and he pushed it anyway. And I think a lot of people, I, I can't remember if they were necessarily disappointed with it. I actually think that is one of the better segments, surprisingly, I because one. I like the story. Uh, before we talk about that, it, this had a, a Mickey intro. Yeah. So I kept know. thinking that every time I saw, I heard it because I knew the very, did they redo the voice for, because in the original Fantasia, it was. There was no voice. Yeah, it was. Oh, yeah, yeah. He goes, oh, thank you very yeah, much. Yeah. You did a great job. Um, so he's there. I'm pretty sure that was Walt that mm -hmm. was doing that one. So I was thinking, did they redo the voice for this one? As no, there have been there, they just no, no, no. This was they, this was a different Mickey. Right. I mean, they used Wayne Allwine for his the new segment, but yes. I didn't know if he like 
if he went back and re-recorded those lines to make sure that they were sounded right. Oh. So I think they probably did, because otherwise it would just be really weird to have, like, no, those are two completely different voices. I mean, well, he does a fantastic job at Mickey, but yeah, anyway, I... I just always kept thinking of, oh, Wayne, and his wife was Minnie. Aw. <laughs> so, cute. so cute. So speaking of Minnie, that kind of leads me into this pomp and circumstance thing. You know, so this is the story of the Noah and the Noah's Ark. Ark and the animals two by two. and But they do it with another famous Disney character, which is Donald. Yeah. And so Donald is our, our hero this time and, and Daisy. And so as I saw Daisy, I just, I love Daisy. She's never in anything. She's, she's, like she's that. in like the Mickey Mouse clubhouse now. They've, they've, but as far as like the main trio, you usually see Donald, Goofy, Mickey, and Minnie. Uh-huh. Uh, like not so, she's lesser, if lesser prevalent, a, yeah, right? If there is a female, it's going to be Minnie versus yes. Daisy. But I love Daisy. She is my uh-huh. favorite character. As soon as I saw her, I was just like, oh, you're my favorite. I love you so much. <laughs> I love you so much more than Minnie. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, that's me. But I love the segment. I thought that the story was very was very cute. Yeah. Um, I liked how, you know, they, they lost each other and they were super sad about it. They kept missing each other at the very end. You know, they, they reach for the locket. And see Aww. each other. It's cute. <laughs> True love. I'm thinking, man. I mean, it was the Ark, so obviously it's going to be a big boat. But if, like, that's a really big boat. If they really, they're on there for 40 days and 40 nights and they can't find each other. So. <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> so our very last segment is Angela Lansbury. Aww. Aww. You know, as much as I've had issues with these narrators, like, you can't go wrong with her. You she can't. looks so great. And she introduces very classic piece, the Firebird Suite, which is the 1919 version by Igor Stravinsky, uh-huh. which you might recall that name, Igor Stravinsky. He is uh, Rite of Spring was the one that we were able to see in the original they film. really ticked him off with that he, one. Yeah, exactly. It's like, we ticked you off the first time. Hey, let's do it again. <laughs> I love yeah, this I don't think song, he was alive though. at this point in time. Probably not, but, no. but I just... I. I really liked this song to begin with. Like going into it, I was like, oh yeah, this is really cool. So what I love about this song is, so being an orc dork, I've played a lots of songs over the years. And the Firebird Suite is something that we did play my senior year in high oh, nice. school. And so we didn't play the entire Firebird Suite. We only played one of the movements. And so it's just like, to me, anytime I'm, and Jerry gets so annoyed because we'll be driving and we'll be listening to the classical station. And I'm like, oh, I played this in orchestra. Oh, I played this in orchestra. Oh, I played this in orchestra. He's like, you played everything in orchestra. I'm like, no, but we did play this one in orchestra. Yeah, we did play this one. <laughs> so this... So guys, I played this in orchestra. <laughs> I kept thinking, Bambi, the firebird is in the forest. <laughs> <laughs> so true. <laughs> oh, That's times. what it was. It was like, this oh, man, t- it's firebird. When I think of Fantasia 2000, I think of this particular segment because of this like nymph fairy, the, nymph, yeah. the green. Um, I remember at the Disney store, Back when they had those. They still have them. They still have them. There's just not as many. It wasn't the 90s. Not as cool. Retail's failing hard (laughs) now. But um, they had uh, lithographs that you could purchase. And this was a very large lithograph. Um, And I remember it was probably like $2,000. And I just remember every time I went in there just thinking... And it was it was the classic um, pose of her where it's she's the entire frame, it's her face, and there's butterflies like uh-huh. in her hair. That's like when you think of this movie. I think it's actually what we picked for the show notes or for the uh, the album art and, and thumbnail for this episode. But uh, that's what when you think of this particular thing, um, you you see that a lot. Yeah. 
And I remember looking at that and just thinking, oh my gosh, I would love to own this and put this over my bed. <laughs> true, true story. <laughs> I did not. I couldn't, couldn't convince the, the fam, but uh, I'm going to go on eBay. I'm going to go see. If, there's, if I find one on eBay, I'll link it in the show notes so Please. you can buy it and put it over live, your bed live vicariously through <laughs> you <laughs> but this is a very classic song um and very epic i yeah. love the firebird and just the it's it's funny with these stravinsky songs it's like okay lots of death lots, <laughs> yeah. of, lots of things being destroyed and dying right right and at the end of the rite of spring we don't see the uh the regrowth no. of the new coming up. And I think initially we, I don't know if we mentioned this, but there was supposed to be a segment of like man. Oh yeah. We talked about this <laughs> man coming after the dinosaurs. Right, there right. is, there is that like ending, uh, you know, people didn't like that. So they didn't, but this, we do see at the very end that there's like spring again. Yes. Yes. And I, I do, I liked this triumphant ending. You know, I felt like this, this triumph was deserved yes. as opposed to the beginning where mm-hmm. it's like, I'm starting out triumphant. Like, what is this? Yeah. But this one, I felt like you go through the full process and you have, you feel it, it feels good. And I feel, I feel good. I like it. So this one was probably my favorite section of the film. The, I mean, I felt like the ending was super quick after that so mm-hmm. they finish off with the firebird they come back hey thanks for joining us or whatever and then it's like it's, it has this kind of like mixture of the different songs and i really liked the songs that they used for that one and then um i half expected tinkerbell to come up and like uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> in color yeah <laughs> and why. then they have a post-credit scene as well where steve martin like you don't hear you don't see him you just hear him it's like uh get the camera back on me guys uh can someone give me a ride home? <laughs> Which was, I was like, yeah, I didn't need you at all. But hey, whatever. It's cool. <laughs> okay, so let's rate it. Okay. What would you rate it? I want to hear yours first. So in case you can't tell, I don't necessarily <laughs> love this movie as much as uh, I'm imagining you do. And I definitely do not love this movie as much as the original. I think the original is just very, it has Walt's touch. Yeah. It's very apparent that Walt was involved in the original Fantasia. This one, it's very disjointed. Tonality, or tone-wise, it's just all over the place. Is it funny? Is it serious? What am I, what am I supposed to take out of this? Um, like, why the jokes? <laughs> I just didn't get it. Um, I understand that they're sort of pandering to this modern audience. The songs... And the sequences really, for the most part, did not stand out to me. When I think of like the iconic moments of this, I do think of Pomp and Circumstance, uh, surprisingly, even though no one else really <laughs> wanted that other than Eisner, just because I, I think the Donald sequence is, is very memorable and the, mm-hmm. it's the most cohesive story, I yeah. think. Not cohesive, but it, it definitely is very uh, much out it's there. most memorable, I think. Most mem- yeah, one of the most, most memorable stories. Most memorable new story. Um, and then the... Uh, piano sonata with the tin soldier i loved that and i love the animation and then uh, let's wrap it up with the firebird suite very very epic and iconic so as far as like a movie that i would like you know if i'm going to rate this i have to give it like two and a half stars because it's just it doesn't do it for me the other one i mean yes it's long but i love that it's long i feel that every segment is really worth it and and you earn it and you go on this journey while this it's short, various 45 minutes shorter than the other one. <laughs> right. And it's just like, okay. Uh, one of those sequences is reused, which I didn't appreciate. Um, and I felt like there, 
they really did try. Oh, Rhapsody in Blue is another one that yeah. I that was very iconic and that I loved. Um, and I like the individual pieces, but as like a whole collective movie, I just don't love it. And it's it's a combination of those horrible narrator bits, who wrote this <laughs> sort of thing, and just it. Yeah, mostly that is kind of. <laughs> that alone is the reason i gave it two point <laughs> no 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 but um, just as a whole like i don't want to go back to this one so, okay there you go all right so things that i liked about this was having the different live action announcers are they dated well steve martin yes i believe but i feel like as i said james Earl jones bet midler angela lansbury i feel like they're all evergreen um i i like them and i liked how it broke it up a little bit and i liked that it wasn't as long obviously um, I'm glad that they pandered to the wider audience, AKA me. And <laughs> so I'm good with that. All the songs, I felt like they were kept at it like a digestible length. So I felt like I wasn't bored. I, I wasn't bored. Yeah. I never got bored throughout it. And it was showing this kind of, um, honestly, if I were to have, if I had a kid and I were showing them a Fantasia, I would do this one before I did the original, mm. because I feel like this one would be better for like ramping you in mm -hmm, i think mm -hmm. and so for those reasons i actually and the fact that i i felt like it was good i liked it so i give it four stars out of five wow yeah we are quite opposite <laughs> from well, last like, episode <laughs> right that's why i think is really funny um and so oh, the yin and yang <laughs> yes well it would be really boring if it's like yes we're all snobs <laughs> we love it <laughs> yeah. this time you can be the snob and i <laughs> have to be <gasps> like i wanted to say all good things about the last one but it just wasn't my thing but that was for me yeah, yeah that was exactly. for you to be yeah. and this one was all like it was much better for me so yay i'm glad that you guys i want to know as far as like listeners if you guys liked if you were on more on my side if you're more on morgan's side um, weigh in that'll be the daily debate yes, that's the daily debate right there <laughs> so head on over to rotoscopers.com slash 147 to be able to let us know whose side you're on this is the, the battle hashtag yeah. team morgan hashtag team chelsea <laughs> All right, we're going to jump into our voicemails, so off we go. Good day to you, Rotoscopers. This is Danny once again. I'm here to talk about what I think of Fantasia 2000. On the whole, I'd say that this is a pretty good sequel, but it's certainly not as good as the original, since the original took itself very seriously as like a like new art form, whereas this film doesn't do so as much. That said, some of the segments are absolutely fantastic. My favorite parts of the film include the Pines of Rome segment with the flying whales, the Al Hirschfeld tribute done to Rhapsody in Blue, and of course the Firebird Suite with that beautifully animated nature goddess. Plus, seeing the Sorcerer's Apprentice again is always great. The other segments to me range from decent to pretty stupid. 
And I don't think we need all those celebrity cameos in between. So, yeah, those are my thoughts. And hopefully, if there's a Fantasia 3000, it'll be more like the original. Hey, Rotoscopers. Jonathan North here. I just wanted to call in to talk about Fantasia 2000 because the first one is one of my favorite movies ever. And I actually think that Fantasia 2000 is beautiful as the first one. There's so much gorgeous imagery in it. The room with the whales and the Firebird Suite are my favorites. They're, I think those two at least are on par with the first movie. But I will say, as much as I love it, it does have a few problems, mainly the host. And if it were up to me, I would just George Lucas the whole thing and re-release a host-free version, an updated version, maybe add in a couple new segments, because they made a couple more segments. They were going to make a third Fantasia, which never got made, but there's some segments floating around. I think get rid of the host. Despite its problems, I still think the positives outweigh the negatives. And that's all, about all i got to say. Thanks for doing this. This is, I think it's a great choice for a podcast. Hi there, my name is Amy, and I'm a relatively new listener. I only started listening back in December. Um, but I've been going through your old episodes, and I just listened to your episode on Frozen. Uh, listening to your episode on Frozen, it made me kind of wonder what you thought about the film today. All of you guys really loved the film, um, gave it all four and a half or four stars. Uh, and I'm wondering if those ratings have changed for you at all since time has passed and you've probably seen it a bunch of times. A bunch of times. I know for me, I would probably rate the film closer to a three and a half now. Um, I feel like its rewatchability level is lower than a lot of the other recent movies. Um, that may also be because I babysit kids. I was also wondering what you thought about the Frozen soundtrack compared to the Moana soundtrack. On the episode, you discussed how you wish there was that kind of tribal uh, cultural beat throughout the film in the music um, and how that was something that you were missing. That's something I definitely missed from Frozen as well. And I feel that that was really fulfilled and fulfilled very well in Moana. Uh, so, yeah, I love the show, and I'm excited to keep listening. Thanks. Bye. So this is actually a great question because – Frozen, we were on the Frozen hype train oh my for sure. We were the Frozen hype <laughs> yeah, train. Yeah, exactly. For the first it's, I year. love when people say, <laughs> I found you because of your Frozen stuff. I know, and like, I Yay. do. <laughs> so I, I do think that my feelings of Frozen has come down a bit, especially just because I felt like because there was so much hype, there was this huge high that we just eventually fell from. You can only ride the Frozen wave for so long. Yeah. You can only watch it so many times. Um, Aladdin, not the case. I can watch that as many times there, as I want. There you go. Um, but so it, I think we gave it pretty high, like four and a half stars before and, and hailed it as this masterpiece. I think looking back, I, I do, it doesn't drop too much for me. It doesn't drop. It's either a, a, you know, I, I still think a four and a half for me. Yeah. Um, it's It has a lot of fantastic elements that really make a wonderful film. However, all of those like gushings that I have upon initial viewing, maybe not so much, but that's probably just Frozen fatigue. Yeah. I actually haven't watched Frozen in quite in a few years, so it'd be interesting to go back. Maybe that Rotorama. should be like a fun patron. Rotorama was the last time we did. Oh, that. yeah. A patron uh, pick 
like a, a patron exclusive is we'll go ooh, if, hey if you're interested we could for some of the patron fun things is go back and re-watch a movie from our initial you know like beauty and the beast i'd love to go yeah, back and frozen and we can release those only to the patrons so again yeah. in the comments let us know if that's something you'd be interested in we could make it one of the maybe like the ten dollar level or five dollar level i don't know yeah um, i think for us well for, yeah because we were the frozen train <laughs> it was just the rest of the world got like jumped on and was at their height in January. It came out in November, like end of November and the rest of the world kind of jumped on that train in January. But by that point in time, we had been, we had already talked about this movie for over a year. And so I think because of that, I just, I fell off the, not, I don't want to say I fell off the train, but I was just like, I had no more chug left. I, I kind of <laughs> ran out of chug. I want so <laughs> like it was just like okay, um, but I I still think it's good. I still I don't think I really changed my 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 score for it. Um, the the replay value is lower only because of that though, and I so I don't think that it's necessarily. I don't know. She says that she it's lower. For, the replay value is lower for her, but she also says that she watches kids. Yeah. And if a yeah. kid watches it every single day, yeah, it's going to lose. It's the old, if you watch Lion King one more time, <laughs> I'm going to throw it away. Exactly. And so I stopped watching Lion King for a few years. You can't throw it away. <laughs> exactly. So I don't think that we're even like in a great place to say that this is like, it loses replay value just because We're We've been disconnected from it for yeah. a while, but yeah, I, I mean, hey, I, I'm I'm game to go back. I'm game to go back too. As far as the Moana soundtrack versus the Frozen soundtrack, I think there's two totally different animals. I mean, two totally different um, different writing teams put them together. Uh, yes, I would have liked there to have been more um, of the tribal stuff in Frozen, just to kind of like push that along. Mm -hmm. But I feel like Moana. Um, I, they just, they stayed pretty well they, consistent through yeah, the whole thing. Yeah. So I think that was, I mean, props to Moana for doing that. But at the same time, I'm not going to take anything away from Frozen because we all listened to Let It Go for yep. a bazillion times. So it's not like they did anything wrong. everyone for joining us for this episode of the animation addicts podcast i had a blast talking it about fun. fantasia 2000 or fantasia continued is was one of the original names or fantasia 1999 <laughs> oh crap it's not coming out in 1999 we got to change it to 2000 2000 just has a better ring it does fantasia 1999 <laughs> but no. not as good as ring as 2001 Ooh, that was the sequel to the sequel <laughs> that was a thing back then it was, it was not the 2000 it was the 2001 oh yeah <laughs> Oh, Nimbus 2000. <laughs> Nimbus 2001. <Ooh. laughs> um, 
Thanks for joining us. Again, join us in the show notes, rotoscopers.com slash 147. Are you team Chelsea or team Morgan? Team Chelsea. How do you feel about this? Also, uh, give us your review on Fantasia 2000 in the comments. We are excited to hear them. So we will be there or be square. Um, you can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all the good places. We're we're trying to do a little bit more on Instagram. We're doing a lot of contests with things, so which is fun. Yeah, so go subscribe to us on our subscribe. Go follow us on Instagram so you can enter our contest. We give away lots of DVDs and things. A lot of times we'll get an extra book or so from uh, a publisher, so we'll give it away. So we want to definitely our new channel to give things away is going to be Instagram. So follow yeah. us there, and we're going to try to do you know more fun content. Instagram stories, things like that. So that's my little plug. Woohoo! And then again, thanks to Satria for being a patron and joining us for this patron nerdy couch discussion. It was a great it was one. Very fun. And if you want to, hey, hear your voice on the podcast, you can find out all about that at rotoscopers.com slash Patreon. And that's all I have. That's and all I have too. Until the next you know, Fantasia iteration in 2030. <laughs> Fantasia in 2001. Yes. <laughs> Plus 20. Plus 20. <laughs> what's, the, what's the new version? Fantasia 3000. There you go. <laughs> in a thousand years, we will be back. We'll be back with our uh, cremated, not with our uh, floating heads. <laughs> yes. Until next time. Fan we... art that. Fan art that. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time. Don't blame me. I voted for Morgan. <laughs> As opposed to like the Nimbus 2000, which we did get a a fan art. Did you get that? I got a fan art of last episode because we did. No. Yeah, no, it was grand. So at the beginning of episode last time, we were talking about how you're a wizard, Mickey. (laughs) And so uh, one of the fans sent us on Instagram our a fan art that they did of that moment. It's pretty fantastic. We'll go ahead and post that in um, in the show notes. But it's yeah, it's grand. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) That's hilarious. It is. (laughs) Incomplete information. I'm sorry. Well, I have those linked in there. Oh, well, I'm already halfway there. <laughs> it's, like, it's like the pig. It's like, it's like uh, God, we're already in the 20s. I've got to go all the way around. <laughs> I've already waited 20 minutes in this grocery store line. I don't care if that one's <laughs> opened up. Okay. Okay.